The second Bible reading for today comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses um, 11 to 16. So this can be found on page 1153 in some of the few Bibles. So starting from verse 11. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, uh, Steph. Well, let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray, Father, that you would help us to understand this word. Help me, Lord, to share this faithfully. And help me also to submit myself to the preaching of this word, which is yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, once again, good morning. I hope you survive in the heat. I see many of you are kind of fanning. It is, it is, uh, it is a bit hot, isn't it? Like I said, it reminds me as if I, I was back in Sri Lanka. This is the kind of heat that we grew up with and I walked to church at 4 o'clock in the afternoon after I was converted for well over a kilometer to get to church at 5 o'clock in the evening our service was, 5 o'clock in the evening. Imagine the hot sun at 4 o'clock, but after conversion, God did a great work in my life. I walked to church. Before that, I was forced to go. Um, well, not really, but encouraged to go. So there you go, friends. We are meet, we are meeting today because we praise God for who He is and what He's done for us. Well, someone in our church asked me uh, a few days ago as to how I was going in the spiritual gym. How are you going in the spiritual gym, Chris? Well, the person was referring to a sermon I preached, a talk I did in early January this year from 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. See, Paul was speaking to a young minister, Timothy, and he encouraged Timothy to train himself in godliness. Timothy had been his companion and co-laborer for many years, and Timothy at this point in life is perhaps in his 30s. Timothy had, uh, was around 18 to 20 years old when Paul picked him up. He's been with Paul for about 15 years now, maybe nearly 40 perhaps, we could say. And yet Paul felt it necessary for him to write to Timothy about training in godliness. And I did mention last time that the Greek word train there is the word we get, uh, we get this word gymnasium. It's the word gymnazo, which means gymnastics or gymnasium. And so Paul is using an athletic metaphor it refers to training as athletes. We've been watching the start of the Winter Olympics. No? Anyone? Not really? Not interested in Winter Olympics? Hmm, okay. Well, somewhere. I know my wife is very much into it, so I couldn't have the TV last night. It was all us. Well, you see, the, the athletic terms, and Paul is using this, a person training in a gym wants to be fit. He or she is disciplined and dedicated to training. And he calls Timothy to get into the gym of spiritual fitness. And Timothy is to train in godliness. Now people might say, well, it's directed to Timothy specifically as a leader of the church, so it's not applicable to us. 
Now, we are not called to train in godliness, Chris. It's only for you guys as ministers and leaders and elders and whatever. Not for us. Well, I don't think so. As Christians, uh, we are not exempt from this challenge. And I referred last time to Jerry Bridges' definition of godliness. In his wonderful book, The Practice of Godliness, he says this about godliness. That it is devotion to God that results in a life that is pleasing to him. It is devotion to God that results in a life that is pleasing to him. And Bridges, speaking on godliness, speaks of two distinct but complementary traits. And he says that the person who wants to train himself to be godly must pursue both both with vigor and with, with, with equal vigor. This is what he says about it. He says the first trait is God-centeredness, which we call devotion to God. The second is God-likeness, which we call Christian character. And godly character flows out of devotion to God and practically confirms the reality of that devotion. I think that's a fantastic definition there, an extension of what godliness is. It comes and it flows out so that our character is shaped from within in terms of how we are and who we are. Right? And therefore, godliness is more than Christian character. It is Christian character that springs from a devotion to God. For example, husbands and wives, if you love your wife, you will do the dishes. You will say, darling, let me do the mopping. Let me do the vacuuming. Because you're devoted to her, you'd want to do it. Wouldn't you? Come on, guys. Help me out here. (laughs) Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> okay. So, because when you're devoted to somebody, you'd want to do those things because it comes out from within. And similarly, Christian character, when we're devoted to God, it will shape us from within and will be shown on the outside. You see, godliness is not an optional luxury for a few Christians or for some super saints. It is for all Christians. And as we train in godliness, it will become evident in our lives. As Paul says in that text, godliness is good for all things, holding promise both for the present and for the future. It is good for relationships. When you are godly in your character, it will affect your relationships. How do you treat others? It will affect your marriage. How do you treat your husband or your wife? It will affect your, shape your ministry, your family, society. It will shape a nation. It will shape the world. It is good for all things. And so this morning, continuing on that theme, I want to look at this text, which is basically our text for this morning, chapter, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16a. No, it's continuing on that sentence there. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Watch your life and doctrine closely. And Paul says, persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Watch. You see, the word here means to take heed. It means to pay attention. It means to keep a very strict eye on something. And Timothy says, uh, Paul says to Timothy, pay attention to two things. If you forget everything in this message this morning, which I hope you don't, but if you do, remember two things. Watch your life and your doctrine. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Pay attention to, to it. And Timothy is to pay close attention to his life and doctrine. Watch your life 
12 friends. That's a challenge, isn't it? How are we to watch our lives? What are we to do? The context, I think, gives us the clue here. If you look at uh, 1 Timothy, if you have a Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it says this. Paul says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example. This is about living. Okay, this is a practical application here. Set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, purity. Five things that Paul wants Timothy to focus on in his life. We have a fivefold way in which Timothy should watch his life closely. You see, Timothy was a young pastor. He was probably around, like I said, 35, maybe 40, uh, like some of the guys who were starting off uh, from college. Uh, young guy, in ministry, massive challenge, incredible responsibility to lead a church. And Paul says to Timothy, and to leaders in general, and to aspiring leaders, you must pay close attention to the way you live. And so 1 Timothy gives us a clearer understanding of the proper qualifications and role of church leaders. You see, leadership, someone once said to me, a senior minister many years ago, Chris, leadership is not a thing that you can take for granted. It is something that has been entrusted to you. And it can be taken away. Yeah? Leadership is entrusted to you. can be taken away. Uh, we are here as leaders today, as elders, ministers. You go into that office there and you see all the past ministers who have been in this church. We come and we are gone. Right? But you see, leadership is growing and, and standing strong. You see, having a, having a good understanding of what it means to be good leaders. And so here at St. Stephen's, we have those who lead, for example, our kids' church, our growth group leaders. We have so many growth groups now, we praise God for that. Our youth group leaders, our various ministry team leaders, our elders, our ministers. You see, leaders have an important role to encourage growth in godliness by being examples to those we lead. And Timothy is to be an example for the believers. And the word here, for example, is a pattern. The original word that is translated as example is the word from which we get the word type. And so Paul is bringing out this idea of a leader being a role model. Being a role model to those around you. The Christian leader then is a type or role model that others could follow. It's a scary thing, isn't it? (laughs) It's a scary thing. Right? Because people look at you and say, wow, man. Am I supposed to be a role model? Look at me in my life. Yes, if you're a leader, then you have that responsibility. Is that clear? I have that responsibility and I have to work hard at it all the time. The Christian leader then is a type, a role model that others could follow. And so we need godly role models in the church. We need them in the world at large. And what kind of role model are we to those around us? For example, if you're a parent, what kind of role model... Are you to your son or to your daughter? <laughs> right? Because they are looking at you, right? As they grow up, their character is being shaped by looking at your lives. What kind of role model am I? If you are a teacher in a school, what kind of role model are you to your students? If you are an employer, what kind of role model are you? The scary stuff. And leaders in particular will do well to examine their lives constantly before the Lord and ask the question... And that includes me. What example, what role model am I setting for the believers? 
What example am I setting to those whom I lead? Is it a godly one? How do I treat those around me as a leader? Are there areas that I need to pay close, close attention in my own life? And so Paul says five things here. And I won't go through that this morning. The first one has to do with speech. In 1 Timothy uh, chapter 4 and verse 12, we saw that. Well, it has to do with speech. It has to do with the tongue. Now, how many words do you roughly speak a day? <laughs> Have we lost count? I, I don't know. I do keep a count. I'm sure we don't know, right? But I'm sure we speak quite a lot, right? I'm sure we do. Imagine the amount of words we speak in the day. James says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. And everyone, want to complete it? Slow to speak. <laughs> Slow to speak and slow to become angry. Alright? Everyone should be quick to listen. Because anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So listen. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I do have a problem. My wife's talking to me and I'm, I'm going all over the place. And I come up with solutions and say, Chris, I just want you to listen. Uh, anyone else has the problem as husbands here? Don't pretend that you're listening, alright? Because <laughs> they might ask you a question and say, wow, you're caught out. <laughs> and women want their husbands to listen to them. But I come up with solutions. They have a problem. I say, dear, let's fix it. Bam, 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 bam. That's the problem. Right? That's it. We're wired that way. But people want us to listen. James has a word about how we communicate to one another. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. You see, to, I think it is a skill to listen. Is, is that not the case? I think it is a skill to listen. To actually listen to what the person is saying. It is a skill to control our tongues. You see, speech is a means of communication. And we communicate today in various ways, don't we? In today's world of social media, we communicate by texting. You see people all the time in the train. It's all happening all the time, right? The phone's going on, everything's happening. You, you, by emails, Facebook, Instagrams, all of these things, massive Facebook. I mean, we communicate all the time. Well, we need to be aware of what we text and what we put on Facebook. Are they helpful? Are they destructive? Will they create chaos? Will they create hurt? What do we do? Does my speech honor Christ? It's communication. Secondly, Paul says to Timothy, watch your conduct. This word conduct means way of life. It means way of behavior. Uh, Paul was saying to Timothy, let the way you behave and the way you go about your business demonstrate godliness. This word means our daily walk with God. Our daily walk with Christ. The way I conduct myself, both in public and in private. I can't be a different guy here at church and be a monster at home. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? There has to be a consistency in my life. My conduct. You ought to be able to look at me anywhere and say, hey, Chris, that's you there. My conduct, my behavior, how does, it, how does it impact my life and others? I've told you this a few times in the past. I have a senior minister who's a retired minister who's known me for 20 years. And he will call me almost every week. And the kids know his name. And they will ask, the phone hasn't gone, has Mr. So-and-so called you that this week? 
<laughs> they know when the phone goes, it perhaps is Mr. So-and-so. And he will talk to me and ask me how I'm going with my walk with the Lord. And he encourages me. And I, I pray God gives him many more years <laughs> in his life because he's such a blessing to me and my conduct in my own life. See, third, Paul says here, if you're, in terms of the way you should live, is this. He uses the word love. The third one is in love. You see, this is the centerpiece of the Christian life, is it not? In almost all of Paul's letters, love is said to be decisive quality of the Christian life. Others may harm us, or they may say bad things about you. They may do wrongful things about us, but they are answerable to God. We are called to show love. We are called to show love. No matter what happens, to speak the truth in love. And I tell you, friends, what? Real love is tough. Or, do you agree? (laughs) Real love is tough. Because real love will turn the other cheek. Real love will extend the hand to, to extend forgiveness. Real love will push you outside of your boundaries. Right? Real love will say, you got to go the extra mile, Chris. Real love will say, I've got to say sorry. The hardest thing to say. Isn't there a song that goes like that? Sorry seems to be the hardest word. You know that song? I won't sing it. I know the tune is coming up in my mind. I don't want to exercise my gifts here this morning. So. <laughs> I actually sang when that, when that, what was it, the offering was being, did you hear that? And my wife's going, to... you see what I'm saying, friends? You see, love, real love is tough. It's going to be pushing me. It's going to push you out of your boundaries. For love covers a multitude of sins. That's what the Bible tells us. Jesus, you see, what a, what a wonderful example of love that we have in Christ himself. And there's a fantastic text in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And it says this. Do everything in love. It's a small text. Very powerful, isn't it? Do everything in love. You see, love the unlovable. Show grace to the, those who may be tougher on you at times. You see, because in this life, friends... There's no need to keep records of wrongs because life is short and you don't want to go to the grave with unresolved issues in your life, do you? Think about it. What does it mean to really love in your life today? What does it mean to you this morning? And the fourth one is in faith. It is trust in God, our faith in God. Paul says to Timothy, you must also have faith in your life as you grow, as you, as you exercise your ministry. Our faith, it is trusting in God. Our faith can be tested as we encounter problems in life. We can give in to despair when our world seems to be falling apart. Like I said this morning, that, that psalm was so powerful for me this past week to know that our God is a rock. No matter what changes, the circumstances around me in my own life, I anchor myself in this God because He is the rock. And we are called to exercise faith in this God. When everything is going well, we exercise faith. When the going is rough and tough, we exercise faith. Because our faith is grounded in this God. And Paul says, have that faith. You see, our faith in Christ will help us persevere. Just this last week, uh, we watched... I'm saying a lot about Rosen. Rosen, we watched this this documentary on the life of uh, uh, Horatio Spafford. I said to her, let's tape it. It's there, I want to show the kids that. You know, the life of Horatio Spafford. You know that. He wrote that hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. I was going to change it for this morning, but we're singing it tonight. It is well 
with my soul. And Horatio's perfect. You know, he, he suffered. He, all his four daughters were killed. He, he suffered as a, as a prosperous lawyer with the fires in Chicago. He and his wife, they, they endured so much in their lives, but they kept their faith. I mean, we, both of us, were moved to tears that night when we looked and listened to that documentary. I said to Rose, what, what, what are we on about in life, eh? What are our little problems? Maybe the cooling goes off. Who cares? Well, we do in a way, but, you know, stuff, stuff can happen in our lives. How can we ever compare ourselves to a man like Horatio Spafford? Lost his four daughters, lost his son, right? lost his livelihood in fire, with, with a fire in, in Chicago. He came up with this fantastic hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. It, it welled up my eyes in tears. It brought me back to reality, friends, of this great God. And you know what, what the Spaffords did? You know, they, they never gave up. They went to Jerusalem. And they opened up the Spafford's Children's Center in Jerusalem to extend Christian gospel ministry. They endured in their faith. Are you enduring in your faith? Is life tough for you today? Are you going through a massive challenge? I don't know. The Lord knows it. I want to encourage you to be in the faith, friends. Anchored in this God. And then finally Paul says about, not finally the message, but the fifth point here, in purity. The word here could also mean chastity. Right? Timothy is not only to be pure in sexual matters, but also to be pure in his heart. Our memory text, isn't that fitting? Create in me a... Come on, memory text. Psalm 51 verse 10. Create in me a... A pure heart. <laughs> right? And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Isn't that what we need to be praying? I need to be praying that for, because God knows the rottenness of my heart. Now, there are things that, stuff that is not right at times. He knows it. I need to pray, Lord, create me a pure heart. My, my motives are right. My attitude is right. The way I approach people is right. I need to pray that. A pure heart. Because from the heart, friends, Proverbs says this, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Then as we move on, Paul says, life and to doctrine. He says, says, I want you to be also strong in your doctrine, Timothy. You see, doctrine is teaching. It is teaching. You see, in in verse 13, in chapter 4, Timothy is to devote himself to two things. He has to do the public reading of scripture and he has to preach God's word. And so doctrine is understanding the scriptures. All scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. God speaks to us in his word. It is relevant to us. God addresses our needs in our, in, through his word. And so Timothy is called upon not only to live his life with a lifestyle that matches his commitment to Christ, but also to watch his life and his doctrine, his teaching, knowing the understanding of God's word. Do you know this word? Do you know the doctrine, the depths of this word? Do you love the word of God? Do you say, Lord, I so love it. I want more of this word. You see, doctrine or teaching has everything to do with life. Because what we know and what we believe about God will determine how we live. This is why at Sarah Hills we preach sermons. And you listen there. And you're fanning this morning. <laughs> right? We preach these sermons because of that. 
We are asked to read the word and expound the word. We don't come up here. No one comes to this pulpit. You know the Presbyterian system. No one can mount the pulpit of a Presbyterian church unless the, the minister gives the approval. In this case, the senior minister gives the approval who occupies the pulpit. Because we take the word of God seriously. It's so serious. So the sum of all things as we bring, um, as we come to to its conclusion. The sum of all these things is boiled down to these two statements, friends. Continue to concentrate on your own spiritual life and the application of God's word in your life. Pay attention to yourself, your own life. Everything starts with your own life. Pay attention to your life and to your doctrine. You see, you can have all the knowledge. You can have all the doctrine. You can know all your Bible. But of what use is it if it is not seen in practice. What good is it for me to say, I know the scriptures, I'm thoroughly doctrinal, I'm a doctrinal guru, and then don't live the godly life. <laughs> you see, knowledge puffs up, doesn't it? Yeah? What good is it, friends? You see, one can attend all the training available. You can attend all the theological classes available. You can do all the leadership training under the sun. You can attend all the Bible conferences. But what good is it if it's only doctrinal and it is not practiced in our lives? So the way uh, Ajit Fernando has written a fantastic commentary on this, uh, on Bhan Timothy, he's a good friend of mine in Sri Lanka. I'm hoping to meet him when I go back sometime. Dr. Ajit Fernando, he says this, The way to silence criticism is to win confidence by earning respect through an exemplary life. For Christ. See, Paul says to Timothy, let doctrine be shown in the way you live, by your speech, by your conduct, by your love, by your faith, by your purity. And one writer has put it quite well, I like this, one writer speaks of them as two pedals on your Christian bike. And if you guys do cy- bike cycling, you have a bike at home? That's what he says. It's like a bike. You have life and doctrine, life and doctrine, life and doctrine. You keep pedaling both, going one after the other, and you keep moving on. <laughs> I thought that's a fantastic thing, isn't it? To remind ourselves, our competence, friends, finally, to live such a life does not come from us. It comes from pursuing our great God. It comes from trusting Christ. Paul, right into Corinthian church, says this, Such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Do you know this Jesus this morning? Are you trusting Him? Do you know the power of Christ in your life? Are you praying to this Lord to transform your life? So friends, as we leave this place, remember that cycle. Remember that, can I go back? It's like that bike. Life and doctrine. Watch it closely. And you will do well in your life. I will do well, I trust, in my life as I live for Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You're a great God. You love us. Help us, Lord, to watch our life and our doctrine closely. Pay close attention to it. Particularly for those who are leaders in this church, that they will live, that we will live such exemplary lives for Christ, 
that we will set an example to those whom we lead in word and in deed. Lord, forgive us where we have failed you in this area. I pray that you will help us to be a loving and a gracious, compassionate, wonderful body of Christ here, being built up in the faith to love Christ, to love one another, to serve you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen.